0: Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays, on the Podbean app, which you can download onto your smartphone, that's P-O-D-B-E-A-N, and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866 609 All right, this is episode 21 of the all new Doc Washburn show. It's Tuesday, November 9th. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's blowing up in their face. Yes, it's obvious. Last November's presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer would not allow me to say that on the radio. But thank God. Dan Bongino allowed me to say it last Friday on over 300 radio stations. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. Now, we're going to get to the long list of previously healthy Young athletes dropping like flies once they get vaccinated. That's a very serious subject that we have to talk about. Because God knows hardly anybody else is. But first, I want to let you know what happened yesterday in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. It was a remarkable thing. A lot of people are following it. But the mainstream media, the liberal media, doesn't want you to know the truth. Now, the great Deborah Hine over at American Greatness has a blow-by-blow description of what happened. Her article entire, entitled, Antifa agitator admits he advanced on Rittenhouse and pointed his gun at him before he was shot. Now that should have been it. You know what? I mean, that should have been the end. But let me, uh, let me tell you exactly what happened yesterday. And again, Thank you for Deborah Hine for doing a great job on this at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. She says the Antifa agitator who was shot in the arm by Kyle Rittenhouse admitted on Monday that he was shot only after he had advanced on the teen and pointed his gun at him. Now, for my listeners in Arkansas or, or anybody who's listening to this who regularly listens to a talk radio station in Little Rock or anywhere else in the country that carries Fox News radio. My wife came home from work yesterday and, um, she was listening to Fox News radio 5 PM central. And they said that this Gage Grosskreutz guy said he was afraid for his life. I said, well, did, yeah, but did they say that he admitted to the defense attorney that Kyle Rittenhouse didn't shoot him until he pointed his gun at Kyle? She's like, mm, no, they, they didn't say anything about that. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, it goes back to what my old buddy Todd Starnes always told me. Fox News Radio is a bunch of libs. They don't want the truth out any more than CNN or MSNBC. I mean, when you think about it, how often have you seen Biden or somebody in the Biden administration doing or saying something outrageous on social media, and you're like, well, gee, I wonder why I didn't hear about that on the news. Yeah, fair and balanced my eye. Anyway, so Gage Grosskreutz took the stand yesterday on the fifth day of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, hoping to strengthen the prosecution's case against the teenager. Instead, one of the prosecuting attorneys was seen literally face-palming during his cross-examination. Defense attorney Corey Chirafisi also forced Grosskreutz to admit that he is affiliated with the Violent People's Revolution, a Milwaukee-based communist militia group that his gun permit had expired, that he had lied to the police shortly after the shooting, and that he has a $10 million stake on Rittenhouse being found guilty. Grosskreutz testified that after hearing the initial gunshots, he had only followed Rittenhouse because he believed he was an active shooter. He also said that even though he was armed with a handgun, He did not intend to shoot Rittenhouse. He had claimed under oath, quote, that's not the kind of person I am. That's not why I was out there. That's not why I was out there for 75 days prior to that, why I spent up until that point, spent my time, my money, my education, providing care to people. Well, well, his testimony fell apart yesterday when Chirafisi asked him about how he was shot in the arm. Defense Attorney Corey Chirafisi said, It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him with your gun in your hands, down pointed at him, that he fired, right? Gross Kreutz replied, Correct. At that point in the trial, the baby-faced Rittenhouse looked like he was going to cry with relief, and one of the prosecutors put his head in his hands. <laughs> but that's not good enough. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> you need to actually hear it. <laughs> and what you're going to be hearing also, there were some legal commentators kind of live, doing live play-by-play And you'll hear their reaction, and and I wish I knew their names. I'm going to try to find that out. But anyway, here's how it went yesterday live.
1: It wasn't
2: until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired. Right.
3: Correct. Oh shit! That's That's it. it. That's it. Directed verdict.
4: Directed verdict on all the murder charges. Kyle knows. Yeah. Directed verdict on the murder charges. He just, he just exhaled. Cal, Cal, oh, he looks like he's going to cry. How do you not? How do you not? How do you not acquit
1: after that? Look at Bigger. Look
5: at Bigger. Look at, look at Big Boy. Oh, oh big Boy. Oh.
0: When they're saying, look at Bear, they're talking about the prosecutor face palming, putting his head in his hands like, oh, no. Oh, no. Now, a directed verdict is a ruling entered by a trial judge after determining that there is no legally sufficient evidentiary basis for a reasonable jury to reach a different conclusion. So what they're saying here is, look, the prosecution's star witness just admitted that Kyle shot him in self-defense so the judge should just go ahead and do a directed verdict and get this thing over with <laughs> oh my goodness oh my goodness there's more there's more and again deb Hine, american greatness such a great job here she quotes uh, Ace of Spades, HQ, exp- explaining what lawyer Nick Riccietta meant. So he was one of the commenters when he shot a directed verdict in the video, and the audio we just played you. Ace says, that's where the defense motions that no reasonable jury could find against the defendant on the facts as presented. If the judge agrees, he issues a directed verdict which says that the trial is over. They don't have to go any further, and then he will write the jury's verdict himself, and that verdict is not guilty. All right, now, earlier, Gage Grosskreutz tried to deny that he was shot while pointing his gun at Rittenhouse, but went on to admit that, yes, his bicep was vaporized after he had aimed his gun at the teenager. And so here's how that went, Mr.
2: Grosskurts. I'm going to show you what has been marked as Exhibit 67. Uh, that's a photo of you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, that's Mr. Rittenhouse. Correct. Okay. Now, you agree your firearm is pointed at Mr. Rittenhouse, correct? Yes. Okay. And once your firearm is pointed at Mr. Redcoff, that's when he fires his gun. Yes? No. (laughs) Sir, look, I don't want to... Does this look like right now your arm is being shot? That looks like my bicep being vaporized, yes. Okay. And it's being vaporized as you're pointing your gun directly at him. Yes? Yes. Okay, so... When you were standing... Three to five feet from him, with your arms up in the air, he never fired, right? Correct. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right?
0: Correct. So now you hear the whole thing in context, okay? Now you get the whole thing in context. Man, oh man. So, Deb Hine over at American Greatness says, Grosskreutz had initially told police that he dropped his gun at some point during the incident and didn't mention that he pointed it at Rittenhouse. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So, he lied. Here's more. Mr. Grosskreutz,
2: I'm going to show you what has been marked as exhibit number 69 for identification. Do you recognize that document? I do. Okay. And that's, if I could be fair, I'm not going to stand by you the whole time, so I'm sorry, but um, is that your signature? That is. Okay. And it appears that that is, um, it says on 82520 at 1130 p.m. at 6300 Sheridan Road, and then it goes on a narrative version of your statement. Is that right? Correct. Okay. And if I could, toward the end of that large paragraph you'd agree it says sometime during the incident my gen 4 glock 27 that had a belt clip attached fell off my waist correct correct okay that's a lie right i wouldn't say that's a lie now you didn't take the glock out of your back here and run with it i did so it didn't fall off your waist it was in your hand that's correct so you would say that's not a
0: lie Wow. I mean, clearly, clearly he's lying. But wait. But wait, there's more. Deb High American Greatness says he also admitted that he lied to police about asking Anthony Huber, the agitator who was shot and killed by Rittenhouse, after clobbering him with a skateboard to stop, okay? Lied to the police about that too, right, Gage? There's a risk of head trauma, it's a
2: risk. Yeah, no, fair enough. So, you believe in this picture, one of the reasons you wanted to intervene was you believe that Mr. Rittenhouse was in danger of being seriously hurt, right? In part, yes. And you had mentioned to the police that evening that you tried telling Mr. Huber, you just said the guy, but you tried telling the guy to stop hitting him with the skateboard. Is that right? That is what I put in my statement, yes. Is that true? With the benefit of hindsight, I don't believe that to be true no okay so when you told that to the police that you told the guy with the skateboard to stop hitting him that that what that's not correct that's not true
6: that is
0: correct in other words it's correct that it wasn't true okay he didn't tell the guy hitting Kyle Rittenhouse over the head with a skateboard to stop even though he told the police he did Now, Deb Hine, American Greatness, says he claimed it was not an intentional omission, noting that his interview with police occurred after surgery while he was still on pain medication. Grosskreutz did acknowledge, under further questioning, that it was the only detail he forgot to mention after being able to describe even Rittenhouse's clothing to the police. Grosskreutz... Denied being a member of the People's Revolution, but did cop to being affiliated with the group and speaking at their rallies. Defense attorney Chirafisi asked, During that rally, have you made statements such as long live the revolution? Agitator Grosskoitz replied, I have. Grosskoitz also admitted to calling Rittenhouse an effing stooge while he was stalking Rittenhouse as the teen walked around asking people if they needed a medic. Oh, really? Well, let's, by all means, let's check this out. Because again, remember, Kyle Rittenhouse shot three people on that night last summer, summer of 2020, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in self defense. One of them lived, and that's a prosecution star witness. Here we go.
2: And during that rally, uh- Have you made statements such as, long live the revolution? I have. And you have no affiliation with them, though? Affiliation, yes. Okay, there's some of those people in the crowd today, aren't there?
0: Yes. I wonder what else this guy's purging himself on. I wonder what else. And all Kyle Rittenhouse is doing is walking around seeing if anybody needs a medic, seeing if anybody needs help. And this guy was stalking him and calling him an effing stooge, right?
2: So you hear him say, anybody need a medic, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, Natalie, go ahead. Yeah, you're good, you can go home. You right? Speaking? Yeah. That is correct. So you say you can go home, you fucking stooge. Right? Correct. Okay. He didn't do anything to you, did he? No. You didn't do you didn't see him threaten anyone, did you? No, I did not. You didn't see him act aggressive toward anyone, did you? No, I did not. In fact, again, whether you agree that he's a medic or not, he's asking people if they need help. Agreed? That is
0: correct. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of a few years back when people were saying, uh, punch a Nazi. Well, they didn't actually know any Nazis, so it's just like it devolved into, well, punch somebody you're upset with. Yeah, punch him in the face. He's an effing Nazi. Well, no, he's not really a Nazi. Um, He's just somebody you don't like. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a definition to the word Nazi. Just like, uh, you know, people call other people fascists, right? And then are shocked to find out that the word fascist actually has a definition to it. A lot of people think that word means I don't like you. No, no, no. no there's, there's, a <laughs> there's an actual definition to the word. And here's the irony. Fascism is a system in which there is the appearance, the veneer of private ownership of business, but the government so heavily regulates the business that it may as well be a communist state. It may as well there may as well not be private ownership of business. Now, I don't know if you noticed, I didn't mean to get off this rabbit trail, but um, huge corporations don't tend to really be worried about a lot of government regulation because they can afford the lawyers and they realize a lot of government regulations that their lawyers have to deal with. The small mom-and-pop businesses can't afford the lawyers. So that's that's better for the huge corporations. I mean, not, not that I'm. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Not that I have. You know, any particular corporation in mind, Walmart. But, you know, that's that's kind of, that's kind of how they roll. So fascism doesn't really bother the huge corporations. Anyway, anyway, let me get back to um, the great Deb Hind or American greatness. In her article, Antifa Agitator admits he advanced on Rittenhouse and pointed his gun at him before he was shot. Play-by-play play yesterday. So Gross Kreutz said he was concealed carrying a Glock the night of the Rittenhouse shootings, but admitted under questioning that his concealed carry permit was expired at the time. Defense Attorney Chirafici pointed out Grosskreutz has filed a $10 million suit against officials of Kenosha, Wisconsin over the shooting and asked him if he stood better odds of winning that monetary award if Rittenhouse is convicted. Smirking, Grosskreutz said he didn't know that to be true. Oh. Oh, really? Well, we got to hear that.
2: To be fair, uh, this is your testimony today. And how this case turns out has, a, has an impact on your ability yep. to try to collect your Going right to his motivations. That is that He has a financial interest no. in this testimony. If Rittenhouse is convicted, your chance of getting 10 million bucks is better, right? I'm not entirely gotcha. sure how that plays out. It Evan, doesn't play out well now. Oh, boy. I'm not entirely gotcha. sure how that plays out.
0: Okay, again, the uh, legal commentators <laughs> doing, doing the live play there. That was beautiful. After a break, the defense asked Gage Grosskreutz about a social media post from Jacob Marshall, his roommate, They claimed he had said his only regret was not killing the kid and hesitating to pull the gun and emptying his entire mag into him. Oh... Grosskreutz, of course, denies telling Jacob Marshall that he had said those things. Oh, well, we got we to gotta hear that, right? So it went something like this. He had
2: visited you um, in the hospital. Yes. And I'm going to show you what is marked as exhibit 70. I'm not interested in the stuff on the right right now, I'm just interested in the photograph, okay? Is that a photograph of you and Mr. Marshall? Yes, it is. Okay. Does that appear to be taken uh, after you had suffered the injury to your arm? Yes. Okay, and that's at a hospital, is that fair? Yes. Okay. Now, you had said you didn't have any regrets. Did you tell Mr. Marshall uh, that your only regret was not killing the kid? and hesitating to pull the gun before emptying the entire mag into him. No, I never said that. You didn't tell that to your roommate? Objection, ask and answer. Uh, we'll you, you didn't Sorry. tell that to Mr. Marshall? No, I did not. Very good. Thank you, sir. All
0: right, now wait a minute. There were press accounts yesterday that after this testimony... In which the defense attorney, Corey Chiafisi, got um, Gage Grosskreutz to say under oath that his roommate was lying in his Facebook post after visiting him in the hospital, that there was an attempt to subpoena Jacob Marshall to testify, and he fled from the courtroom. Uh, I don't think he was lying. I mean, you got this Antifa thug, this uh, Gage Grosskreutz, stalking this kid who's just asking if anybody needs any help. And ironically, guess what Gage Grosskreutz does for a a living? He's a paramedic himself. He should be wanting to help people. He should be wanting to help people who want to help people. But instead, he pulls a gun on a 17-year-old kid. So um, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, where the trial goes today. Now, I'm no lawyer, but I've talked to a lot of lawyers, and I try to follow what's going on in the law. And um, I watch a lot of trials. I don't think, I don't think I can recall ever seeing a prosecutor so dejected by what's going on, by how badly his case is going in court that he puts his face in his hands. I can't recall that right off the bat. So, anyway, that was fascinating. That was fascinating yesterday. All right, now, uh, that having been said, I want to get to the amazing number of previously healthy healthy young athletes who have... uh, been dropping like flies after getting vaccinated. So that's coming up in just a second. First of all, I just need to mention something to you. Um, We talk a lot about how the Biden regime is intentionally trying to bring down this country, intentionally trying to make life more difficult for us intentionally trying to do away with the founding principles of this country. And it didn't start with Biden. Obama was full tilt boogie on that too. And it didn't start with, with Obama, but he took what some other Democrat presidents had done and just took it to a whole new level. And now whoever's pulling Biden's strings is taking it to a whole new level Also, one of the worst things that Obama did was something called the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare. Now, of course, the Affordable Care Act was a lie because it actually made your health care more expensive. Think about it. Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co keep you from going to the doctor? Now, if you answered yes to any of those questions, you need to get in touch with my friend, Art Wilborn. His website is myfamilyhealthplan.com. Art has been a big fan of the Doc Washburn show going back years when I did a, a local talk radio show in Little Rock, Arkansas. But think about this. You, you go to this website, myfamilyhealthplan.com, and the first thing you see is affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co You didn't think that was possible anymore after Obamacare kicked in, did you? Well, this is the alternative. And here's the great thing. With MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you get an insurance plan that doesn't force you to cover things that would offend your deeply held religious beliefs. So you go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you get book a free consultation, and my buddy Art Wilborn will also make sure there're no gaps in your coverage. Now, no, he's licensed in Arkansas and Texas. But it doesn't matter what state you're in, he'll hook you up with somebody in one of the other 48, whichever state you're in, that will be able to do the same thing for you that Art does in Arkansas and Texas. Save money on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com. All right. Now, that having been said, that having been said, we're we're going to get to we're going to get to the the deal with all these um healthy young athletes just dropping like flies after getting vaccinated but i got to share with you from the editors of american greatness julie kelly and tucker carlson on the collapsing January 6th narrative. And this was from back in April, but it has been so predictive of what is going on right now. American Greatness senior contributor Julie Kelly joined Fox News host Tucker Carlson back in April to discuss the D.C. medical examiner's Latest findings on the deaths surrounding the January 6th Capitol Hill melee. Among the revelations, two of the protesters died of natural causes. One died as a result of an accidental drug overdose, and another Air Force veteran Ashley Babbitt died by homicide. Capitol Hill police officer Brian Sicknick's cause of death at that time remained undetermined. But eventually they admitted that he died of natural causes the next day. Anyway, short video here, only four minutes long. We don't forget if you would. That is uh, the turncoat, Joe Scarborough over at MSNBC. Attack our country. We go after you. We jail you. We throw away the key. It was a setup by the FBI. January 6th was a setup, but Joe Scarborough is never going to admit that.
1: You come after
0: our capital? I don't know. Tucker Carlson here.
1: Joe Scarborough over on MSNBC talking about homicide again. It's a recurring theme with him. But after January 6th, he and everyone else in the media wanted the rest of us to know that those insurrectionists on January 6th had murdered five people.
3: President Trump is getting the wall, a wall, I should say.
0: This is CNN they're playing now.
3: Built at taxpayer expense, but this one is being built overnight around the U.S. Capitol to protect it from Trump supporters. The FBI director warning about an extensive amount of online chatter that calls for more violence. Five people, of course, killed in the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. And it is becoming increasingly clear it could have even been worse.
2: He's still yet to properly talk about the five killed at the Capitol.
0: America's not going to forget that five people were killed, including a Capitol police officer killed on... These are all CNN talking heads. On the grounds that, that day, it simply happened.
1: We've seen five people killed at the Capitol. We must hold people accountable.
0: Oh, Derek Johnson, president and CEO of NAACP, lying through his teeth to Wolf Blitzer, who's not going to correct him at CNN.
1: No matter what title they hold. Back yeah, to the, Tucker. The insurrectionists killed five people. Except they didn't. That was a total lie. They knew it was a lie. There was never any evidence it was true, but everyone swallowed it. Today, Washington, D.C.'s chief medical examiner, Dr. Francisco Diaz, released the manner of death of the five people who were murdered at the Capitol on January 6th. Here's what he found. Only one person actually was a homicide victim. That was Ashley Babbitt. She was a protester. Two other individuals, Kevin Greeson and Benjamin Phillips, died of heart attacks a fourth person roseanne boyland died of a drug overdose amphetamines no cause of death was provided for the death of officer brian sicknick
0: now there's since been some disagreement about roseanne boyland it looks like she might have been crushed in the tunnel where capitol police were beating women but anyway
1: julie kelly is the senior contributor to american greatness one of the people who's followed this the most closely whose stories have been fact-based since the very beginning in contrast to virtually everyone else. And she joins us tonight to assess what we've just learned. Julie, thanks so much for coming on. What have we learned here?
7: Well, we have learned that yet another narrative related to January 6th has completely collapsed. The only person, as you say, who was killed that day was Ashley Babbitt. Um, And now, but... as we've seen time and time again, whether it's the idea of a deadly armed insurrection, whether it was sedition, um, it, all of these things that we were told early on, every single one of those storylines has fallen apart. But here's the question, Tucker, who is going to start retracting all of it? I mean, we probably have hundreds of thousands of citations that five people were killed. It was in that House Democrats impeachment uh, trial memo. Who is going to retract that? It's already ingrained tens of millions of americans already believe this it doesn't matter the facts don't matter um but we're trying our best to tell people exactly what the
1: what the truth is but they lied about every one of these or or recklessly speculated without knowledge which is you're not supposed to do that in journalism the poor woman who died of a drug od i don't know the details of that the medical examiner said it was amphetamines Weren't we told she was trampled to death by insurrectionists
7: We were. We were told that she suffocated because of this mob. Um, We were told, as you know, that Brian Sicknick was murdered with a fire extinguisher. Uh, Finally, the New York Times had to retract that story. But I had a piece over uh, this week, this past weekend, when they were talking about the killing of Officer Evans, who was run over, as you know, uh, last Friday. Um, They regurgitated the story about Officer Sicknick again. And we're talking about top news organizations who are still citing the fact that Officer Sign was t- killed and by still by a fire extinguisher. None of that's been retracted.
1: Liars. Thank you for your yes. honest and fact-based coverage of this. It's, it's really needed. I wish you worked for the New York Times. Julie Kelly, great to see you. <laughs> Thanks. All right, so there you
0: have it. There you have it. And, of course, in the fullness of time, well, let me just put it this way you ought to go to tuckercarlson.com and watch the recent series he did on what actually happened on January 6th. It was a setup. It was a setup by the feds. Okay? All right, now, let's get to, let's get to the, the list of formerly, healthy young athletes that have been dropping like flies it's it's just it's just been remarkable so let me back this up Let's see. Emil Peson, footballer, collapses from cardiac arrest during game in Norway. Ex Parm footballer Giuseppe Parino dies age twenty nine at brothers memorial match after collapsing while playing. Referee Bert Smith says blood clot in lung caused his fall at NCAA men's basketball tournament. Raymond Van Barnevel collapses and receives paramedic attention. Let's see what else we got here. Uh, Barcelona striker Sergio Aguero taken to hospital for a cardiac examination. I'm going to turn the music down because it's just a collage, a compilation of a bunch of these different ones. Oilers goalie Alex Stalock likely to miss entire season with heart condition. Brazilian soccer player Alex Apolinario dies after collapsing on pitch during match in Portugal. Indonesian doubles star tennis player Kido dies of heart attack at 36. NCAA attorney referee who collapsed had blood clot. Josh Downey, cricketer, 24, dies after heart attack at cricket practice. BBC. Okay, then they have the uh, yeah ex Parma footballer Giuseppe Perino dies age 29 at brother's memorial match after collapsing. Oh, Raymond von Barneveld collapses and paramedic called in PDC Players Championship. That was a uh, UK. Uh the Hindu.com a volleyball player collapses during game, dies. Uh, the Sun, UK Sun, keepers from both teams collapse on pitch and a rush to hospital during League Two clash. Looks like a uh, cricket. <clears throat> Cincinnati.com teen who died after collapsing at Princeton High School Field identified. New York Post, Vinnie Curry, the New York Jets, out for season with rare blood disorder. 7 News Australia, around-the-world sailor Jessica Watson reveals sudden death of long-term partner, age 29, WISTV, that would be Columbia, South Carolina. Danadrian Robinson's family reacts to tribute from WJ Keenan High School. He would love it. Uh, Dutch Fork High School honors life of Jack Alkatib with memorial. All these people with uh, weird heart conditions. UK Daily Mail, Indian TV and film star Siddharth Shukla, 40, dies. And the guy looked healthy to me. BBC, Tom Felton, Harry Potter star, collapses during Celebrity Golf Match. CBC, Canada, University of Ottawa, GG's football player dies after game. USA Today, former 49ers and Saints linebacker Paris Harrelson dies at 37. Guy looks really healthy before the jab. Uh, U.S. Day News, story of Jake Ellinger, Sam Ellinger's brother, cause of death. Looks like a brother of a Texas football player there. Tennis World USA, Jeremy Chardy, I regret getting vaccinated. I have series of problems now. The Scottish son, Glasgow hockey player who died for nearly 10 minutes after collapsing, hails best pal for saving his life. UK son, footballer, that's what they call a soccer player over there. Wessam Abu Ali, 22, awake but shocked in hospital after collapsing on pitch. India.com, two Wendells players collapse on field during second T201 versus Pakistan women Aussie news teen insta star hospitalized after Pfizer jab UK independent footballer collapses from cardiac arrest during game in Norway uh, Pedro Obiang 29 year old professional footballer suffers myocarditis after COVID-19 vaccines See, they tell us it's very rare. They tell us it's very, very rare. Footballers surround teammate on pitch after he collapses minutes into top flight French game. UK Daily Mail. Monique Morley, star of the Bachelor TV show, says she had a heart attack after COVID jab. msn.com Puneeth Rajkumar suffers heart attack admitted to hospital in Bengaluru healthy looking guy uh, BBC's Lisa Shaw dies after suffering blood clots following jab UK Times mystery rise in heart attacks from blocked arteries UK Daily Mail 21 year old medical student died a day after getting Johnson Johnson vaccine See, I would not have been allowed to have said this stuff when I was doing local talk radio, Little Rock, Arkansas, or Cumulus Media, because um, months ago, when NBC and CBS announced there were breakthrough cases of fully vaccinated people getting the China virus, the Wu flu, there was a uh, an emergency conference call. Vice President of Programming for Cumulus Media, Brian Phillips, got all the news talk program directors on an emergency conference call said, now don't allow your personalities to say anything on the air that would in any way cast dispersion on the vaccines. Well, Brian, I wonder how many deaths may have resulted from that. I wonder if you have blood on your hands, Brian. I wonder why you told... Talk radio personalities for Cumulus Media to ignore the truth coming out and the life and death issue. Brian, with all due respect, and you're not doing much, take a long walk off a short pier. I'm doing my own thing now. Uh, Here's more from Yahoo Sports. Nick Claxton Brooklyn Nets expected to miss at least a week with illness after getting the jab. UK Mirror. 21-year-old dental student collapses at work and dies from sudden bleed on the brain after getting the jab. The Hindu.com. Young Sar- How do you say this name? Young Saurashtra cricketer Avi Barrett Dies after suffering cardiac arrest. See, cricket is pretty big in India. I, I, don't, I, I, know, I, I don't know why. UK Express. School in mourning after two pupils die suddenly in one week. The Scottish son. 12-year-old Scottish schoolgirl dies suddenly from brain hemorrhage as teachers and pals pay tribute. After getting the jab... Talksport.com, Christian Eriksson advised to retire from football, What well, they mean soccer, after heart attack. Sports Illustrated, Slovak player, hockey player, Boris Sadecki passes away after getting the jab. Australian News, Yahoo, 13-year-old boy dies in his sleep days after getting Pfizer vaccine. UK Daily Mail, Miami doctor dies within weeks of receiving Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. UK Sun, x-ray technician, 60 years old, who is excited to get COVID vaccine, died days later from reaction. VisionTimes.com, two women's cricket players collapse on field three days after team announces full vaccination. UK Daily Mail, fully vaccinated air passenger infected with COVID, dies mid-flight. UK Mirror, 28-year-old mother dies suddenly while running a bath after dropping son off at school. UK UK Mirror, 24-year-old Miss World contestant found dead at home after failing to show up for work. UK Daily Mail, Mark Howard, star of the UK television program Below Deck, dies at 65 after getting the jab. Wales Online, young rugby player who gave his heart to the game, dies suddenly, age 17 after getting the jab. UK Daily Mail, England World Cup hat-trick hero, Sir Jeff Hurst has pacemaker fitted after getting the jab. IBTimes.com, college football player, allegedly dies of cardiac arrest during practice after getting the jab. The Guardian, Fabrice Nsikala, of Besiktas, recovering in hospital after on-field collapse. Thank God he made it. More from the U.K. West Brom versus Bristol City, suspended twice due to medical emergencies in the crowd. U.K. Metro. 34-year-old healthy mom of seven dies suddenly in her sleep after getting the jab. 10news.com. Community mourns loss of 13-year-old North San Diego County boy after getting the jab. 7news.com out of Australia. Awful scene as teen girl suffers heart attack during Queensland junior soccer match after getting the jab. UK son, 28-year-old footballer, collapses on pitch after suffering cardiac arrest before being airlifted. Um, There's a surge of sports people worldwide suffering unexpected health issues and death. And I'll put it on my... uh, Facebook page. I mean, we we go on all day. We go on all day. See, the way this thing's set up is uh, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, they are immune to lawsuits. You can't sue them. You can't sue them. People are dropping like flies, and Biden says, screw you, I'm going to make you take it. Now, the American Revolution had something to do with taxation without representation. We're looking at uh, injection without representation. No? And they're lying. And you're not allowed to say they're lying, are you? No, you're not. You're not allowed to say they're lying. Well, see, that's that's what's different about what we do here on the Doc Washburn Show. I'm not going to put up with it. So someday, someday they'll probably try to yank me. I was going to say off the air. We're not really on the air. Someday they'll probably try to shut me down. But by the grace of God, we're still here. We're still here. Now, speaking of vaccines and the vaccine mandate, I don't know if you heard about this or not. Late yesterday afternoon, the White House told businesses to proceed with vaccine, mand- vaccine mandate despite the court ordering a pause. Did you hear about this? Now, this is contempt of court, Right. The White House yesterday said businesses should move forward with Joe Biden's vaccine and testing requirements for private businesses despite a federal appeals court ordering a temporary halt to the rules. White House Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, who's been getting a lot of time on camera lately because we haven't seen White House Press Secretary uh, Jen Psaki ever since she got the... uh, the booster shot. So she might be having some health problems herself. Anyway, her second-in-command, Korean Jean-Pierre, told reporters during a briefing yesterday, people should not wait. They should continue to move forward and make sure they're getting their workplace vaccinated. But the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, considered one of the most conservative appellate courts in the country, halted the requirements Saturday pending review saying the petitions give cause to believe there are grave statutory and constitutional issues with the mandate. See the Republican Attorneys General in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, South Carolina and Utah as well as several companies requested the pause. They argued that the requirements exceed the authority of Occupational Safety and Health Administration which they do. See OSHA is supposed to enforce the mandates. And these attorneys general argue that amounts to an unconstitutional delegation of power to the executive branch by Congress. In its response Monday evening, the Biden administration asked the court to lift the pause, dismissing the state's claims of harm, dismissing the company's claims of harm as premature, given that the deadlines for vaccination and testing are not until January. Oh, I get it. So this is just like when we were concerned about vote fraud last year. And we're told before the election that nobody had standing because it hadn't happened yet. And then after the election, we're told it's a moot point because it already happened. So that's what this is like. Yes, of course. The administration claimed that pausing the requirements would likely cost dozens or even hundreds of lives per day as the virus spreads. Remember, 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 don't ever forget what I told you. They're paid to lie. I believe the vetting process that Biden's puppet masters conduct when they're trying to decide who to hire for different positions in the Biden administration is, can you look in the camera and lie with a straight face and not have a problem falling asleep at night? You know, if you're going to have an attack of conscience, then this is the wrong administration for you you gotta be got to be able to lie, bald face lie, and not feel the least uncomfortable, not feel the least nervous about it. You know? Because the Biden administration is the con artist administration, and the number one cardinal rule for a con artist is never give up the con. No matter what happens, never admit you're wrong. So, that's contempt of court, right? You know what I'm saying? I might even call it insurrection. If you did it, if I did it, we'd be charged with contempt, right? Am I right? Okay, now. That having been said, one of the big things that um, caused a blue state to turn red recently in Virginia, in which they elected a Republican governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, one of the big things is parents being upset and concerned about what the schools are doing to indoctrinate their kids with this critical race theory. Now, the liberal media vacillates between critical race theory is good and you're horrible for not wanting your kids to be taught it on the one hand, and on the other hand, it's not being taught, okay? Uh, Brianna Keller, who masquerades as a journalist over at CNN, had U.S. Senator Rick Scott on out of Florida, and she kept lying to him. She kept insisting that critical race theory is not taught in the public schools in Virginia, despite all the available evidence. And it was... uh, it was remarkable. It went something like this. Well, they started off talking about something else. I think. I think what Democrats are going to
4: continue to do is talk about Donald Trump. I think Republicans are going to continue to talk about issues. Glenn Youngkin won his race because he talked about issues, and I think that's what's going to happen. What we're going to see is just like in, just like in Virginia, Terry McAuliffe wanted to say, "Oh, there was nothing about critical race theory. We know that. It, we know it's true. Parents know it's been. Their kids are being indoctrinated with critical race theory in Virginia, and the Democrats." Wanted to deny it, I mean, and so well, it's the not parents in the curriculum. showed up because they don't like being just, lied to. I mean, to.
3: just just to be clear, it's not it's not in the curriculum um, in Virginia. Uh, just oh, just to oh, be
4: Brian, we'd like me to, here, let me just read you a few things. Just to, in twenty fifteen, while Terry McAuliffe was governor, the Virginia Department of Education promoted incorporating a critical race theory lens in education. You can still find it on the Department of Education's website. Still there.
0: Yeah, but she's not going to give up the Con. She's going to insist. That it's not being taught, even as you, Senator Rick Scott out of Florida, are bringing the receipts. You're proving it's being taught, and she's going to keep saying, no, 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 it's not. I don't care if you have the proof. I get paid to lie. It's like CNN is an adjunct. Of the corrupt Biden administration. Here's more. In February uh, 2019, a superintendent not, memo for the Virginia of the Department of Education promoted Senator, crystal race
4: theory and not, the idea of white fragility.
3: It's not. It's not. I part looked it yesterday. It's um, still I, there. I do want to ask you, just to be clear about Brianna, where you are. Let's, let's all agree. Just,
4: they were do- trying to indoctrinate kids. Terry McAuliffe denied
0: it. It's still on the website. She doesn't care. She's going to keep lying. She doesn't get paid to tell the truth. I mean, Rick Scott is doing a valiant job here in trying to get the truth out, but she's going to keep lying because she's Brianna Keller, she works for CNN, and she's not paid to admit the truth.
4: It is, this is happening. And I hope Democrats continue to say it's not happening because parents are dumb.
0: Parents aren't dumb, you're right. Now, she's going to take umbrage. She's going to be offended that he is equating her with the Democrat Party Because she wants to be just seen as an impartial journalist. But he's telling the truth.
3: They can see it. I just want to be clear about something just about where you personally are on the big lie. We have you on today because you are in charge
0: of... Oh, the big lie. Now, you're telling the big lie. The election was stolen. You know it was stolen. But you get paid to lie.
3: Senate Republicans and trying to get them elected. But you personally... Voted to overturn election results right after the Capitol riot on January 6th. Later, you did say that.
0: The Capitol riot was a setup. Trump peaceful protesters were peaceful until Capitol police started attacking them. Flashbang grenades, tear gas. Who knows what else? 14,000 hours of security camera video that. The federal government re- refuses to turn over to defense attorneys, even though they've given video to HBO for their little documentary that they wouldn't give to defense attorneys. But Brianna Keller works for CNN. She's not paid to tell the truth. She's not paid to try to find out the truth. The big lie, the Capitol riot. She's a paid propagandist. Goebbels would blush. Biden won fair and square.
3: Are you comfortable with Republican candidates embracing someone, Donald Trump, who continues to lie about the
0: election. You're the liar. Oh, and by the way, Brianna, you know it. Well, first off, let me be clear. Joe
4: Biden is the president of the United States. We went through the constitutional process and Joe
0: Biden is the president of the United States. But they stole it, Rick, come on. Come on, just say it, they stole it. Have the guts to say they stole it. Now, there are a lot of people that
4: wish Joe Biden wasn't president, like uh, probably a big majority of Americans right now.
0: Because a big majority of Americans voted for Donald Trump. Just say it, Rick. Have the guts to just say it. But Joe Biden is the president,
4: and you know we're gonna go on, what, what's gonna happen in 22? People are gonna say, who do I want to be my senator and to be my congressman? Democrats are gonna talk about Donald Trump, and Republicans are gonna win elections.
0: You know, Rick, you were doing so well there with insisting that public schools in Virginia are teaching critical race theory. She kept on coming back, and you kept on knocking her down. And now you're playing her game. Oh, Joe Biden is the president. Now Joe Biden's not the president. He's masquerading. He's pretending to be the president. If you're the president... You don't say day after day, oh, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't stop answering questions. Get in trouble with who? You're the president, right? Come on, man. If I may quote the occupant of the Oval Office. Come on, man. It's Obama's third term. Or Woodrow Wilson's third term. But clearly, Joe Biden's not calling the shots. He knows he's not calling the shots. Well, Donald- And he knows he wasn't legally elected.
3: Donald Trump, as you know what he is saying, and this is an endorsement that many of your candidates have, have sought and will continue to seek, is raising concerns about current and future elections, right? This isn't an issue of the past. And he's saying that Republicans won't vote in 2022 or 2024.
0: Yeah, that is a stupid thing for him to say. He should be encouraging people to vote.
3: If basically there isn't this uh, thing about 2020 kind of going his way. So he's making the past about the future.
0: No, he's making the future about the past, actually. Going his way. Oh, good grief.
4: You know what I like about what you're doing? Keep talking about Donald Trump. If you look at, if, if, if that's what everybody, if the Democrats keep doing that, we're going to have a heck of a year next year. We got one year out. We're way up in a generic balance well, I'm ballot, asking you about Republicans. completely rejected the Biden agenda. I'm asking agenda. you about how Republicans but, are. But what conscience. I want, here's what I want. I want election security. So does every other Republican that I know. That's not what the Democrats but keep proposing I, look, on the Senate for. Look, sir, floor. I'm
3: asking you what... I mean, you invented an award to give to Donald Trump. You gave him the first champion
0: of, of freedom award or whatever. Yeah, she's not going to talk about election integrity, election security. That's the last thing in the world anybody CNN wants.
3: From the NRSE. You talk about him, too. You court him, too. So it's not like you are just completely ignoring him, right? This is something that Republicans oh, are going to talk about. In.
4: What I believe in is... Okay, yeah, but let's go back and look at what, where we were. Like, I believe in supporting Israel. I went to the fl- and so did Donald Trump. Guess what? I went to the Senate floor, did a resolution, and not one Democrat showed up to say Israel had a right to defend itself when Hamas was attacking them with, with rockets. Not one Democrat, all right? D- well, look at the Abraham Accords. Do I think those are historic? Yeah, I think th- I think those are, are really historic. To having the best economy we've had in, in decades before COVID hit, I think that's, that's pretty good for freedom. Support, in, you know, making sure we stand up against China. Now, none of these things are happening now. Biden doesn't stand up against China. Biden doesn't support Israel. He wants to get back in the horrible Iran deal. Uh, that's gonna, All it's going to do is continue to allow them to get a, a nuclear weapon. So yeah, I, I believe in the things that Donald Trump did. I absolutely, I who, absolutely believe in those.
3: Before I let you go, uh, I just want to revisit what you said about infrastructure. You voted for the Trump...
0: In other words, I'm just going to change subjects. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. That's enough. That's enough. But look, I I try to call balls and strikes here, okay? So, when we mentioned yesterday Rick Scott saying that he would be campaigning and rooting for Lisa Murkowski, horrible, horrible U.S. Senator from Alaska who continues to stab this country in the back, who may as well be a Democrat. I explained I was upset about that. That's, that's not good. That's not good. But here, he's doing the right thing, so you got to give him credit for that. Now, um, April Ryan. April Ryan masquerades as a reporter. She's White House correspondent for uh, something called the Griot. I have no idea what that is. I'm a political analyst for CNN. And she had a question for uh, Transportation Secretary Mayor Pete Buttigieg yesterday. It's one of the most ridiculous things I think I've ever heard. Oh, and the answer is ridiculous, too.
8: You give us the construct of How you
0: will deconstruct the racism that was built into the roadways. As you talked to the griot earlier, when we broke that information. Give us a construct of how racism was built into the road system of America. Child, please. How about give me the construct of a break? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But, but, he's a Dem, so he takes us seriously. Can you talk to us about how that could be
5: deconstructed for sure yeah so you know, the principle of justice 40 is that at least 40 percent of the clean investments in this bill will go to benefit the communities that are overburdened and overburdened and underserved so part one of that is defining those those investments that are eligible and that's a lot of it and we're working to map out kind of program by program mode by mode uh, what would qualify for example if we're uh, buying clean buses right how do we make sure in terms of where those buses go but also looking at the business opportunity the jobs that are going to be created the businesses that that uh, will have a chance to compete uh, for for the business opportunities it creates that
0: see the democrats always lie and say that if they take more of your money spend more of it you know waste more of your tax dollars and make it harder for business by putting on more regulations then that will create jobs it's the exact opposite. They, know, they either know the, is, is the exact opposite or they're too stupid to realize, but that's what they always lie about.
5: Two, I think, is a very important element of equity here that's in the spirit of Justice 40. And again, we have a lot of guidance and oversight from the White House since that's an administration-wide initiative. We know that we've got to build our own internal uh, kind of ways of of uh, aligning and defining that inside the administration. As to where we target those those dollars, you know, I, I'm still surprised that some people were surprised when I pointed to the fact that uh, if a highway was built for the purpose of di- dividing a white and a black neighborhood, or if an underpass was constructed such that a bus.
0: Wait a minute. I was built to divide a white and black neighborhood. If you had a white neighborhood and a black neighborhood as opposed to integrated neighborhoods, aren't they already divided? But here's, here's
5: where it gets really, really hilarious. Or if an underpass was constructed such that a bus carrying mostly black and Puerto Rican kids uh, to a beach or there would have been uh, in New York was, was designed uh, too low for it to pass by. But that obviously reflects racism that went into those design choices.
0: Uh, Wait. So the buses carrying the white kids were shorter and could get under the underpass, but the buses carrying the black and Hispanic kids were taller and couldn't get under the underpass. Do you hear this idiot? <laughs> Pete Buddhist <laughs> Republic He ran for president. He ran for president, failed mayor of a city that's not even in the top 250 most populous cities in America. Rampant crime problems. Rampant traffic problems. Ran for president. Biden's handlers get him to drop out at just at the right time. And why do you think he can run for president? What was his calling card? Um, <clears throat> let's see. So, Democrat consultant says So, uh, Mayor Pete, Mayor of South Bend, Indiana, here, what? Uh, not doing too good a job as a mayor. Why why do you think you got a shot at running for president? And I could just imagine uh, Pete Buttigieg would answer something like, Well, uh okay, you know that part of the Bible where um it says that um um If a man has sex with a man, that God says that's an abomination? Yeah. Well, I do that. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, um, yeah, I think there's a significant percentage of the Democrat voting base that would probably think, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, so maybe you got a shot. Maybe you got a shot. I mean, you didn't get much accomplished as mayor. But, but you do claim that a guy is your husband. So, yeah. Maybe, maybe you've got a shot here. Unfreaking believable. And he shows what an idiot he is. Well, see, the underpass in New York City could have been constructed low enough that school buses carrying black or Hispanic kids couldn't have got under the underpass to get to the beach. You know, guys like Pete Buttigieg um, really hold the, the average Democrat voter in contempt because... And if you're a Democrat listening, he thinks you're stupid enough to buy something like that. He thinks you're stupid enough to buy something like that. All right, so the execrable California Democrat Congressman Adam Schiff was on The View a few minutes ago. And a woman named Morgan Ortega, who I guess must be their token conservative, confronted Adam Schiff about the Steele dossier, which now the latest John Durham indictment proves was always a lie, and everybody knew it was always a lie. So let's, let's see how that went.
2: So I want to ask you about something that's in the news a lot right now. Um, you've been really prolific over the past few years being the head of the Intel Committee. And you've defended, promoted, you even read into the congressional record the Steele dossier. Um, and we know last week the main source of the dossier was indicted by the FBI for lying about most of the key claims in that dossier. Do you have any reflections on your role in promoting this to the American people?
6: Hello. Well, first of all, uh, whoever lied to the FBI or lied to Christopher Steele should be prosecuted. uh, And they are. Uh, And unlike in the Trump administration, if they're convicted, they should go to jail not be pardoned. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Donald Trump pardoned Roger Stone for lying. He pardoned Michael Flynn for lying. Uh, If people lied to the FBI, they should go to jail. Um, But at the beginning of the Russian investigation, I said that any allegations should be investigated. We couldn't have known, for example, people were lying to Christopher Steele.
0: The FBI did know that, January 2017, and Adam Schiffs knows they, they knew that. But again, again, the cardinal rule of the con artist, never give up the con.
6: So it was proper to investigate
0: them, and
6: let's not forget what we learned in that investigation. We learned that the Trump campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, was giving internal polling data, campaign polling data, to Russian intelligence while Russian intelligence was helping the Trump campaign. And to be clear, he
2: was fired halfway through the campaign.
6: Well, he may have been fired, but the the effort to get Russian help continued and even beyond.
0: No. No, the whole SEAL dossier is a lie. He knows it's a lie, and he keeps on perpetuating this. He's acting as if he still believes it. He never believed it. He always knew it was a lie. It's all about, do you have a D by your name or an R by your name? The effort to get Russian help. But you may have spread Russian disinformation
2: yourself for years by promoting this. I think that's what Republicans and what people who entrusted you as the Intel committee chair are so confused about your culpability in all of this.
0: Because he's still spreading the disinformation today live, in real time, on The View, and she's calling him out on it.
6: Well, I I completely disagree with your premise. Uh, It's one thing to say allegations should be investigated, and they were. It's another to say that we should have foreseen in advance that some people were lying to Christopher Steele, which is impossible, of course, to do.
0: January 2017. They've known since January 2017 that the Steele dossier was based on lies Paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Schiff's always known this.
6: But, but let's not use that as a smokescreen to somehow shield Donald Trump's culpability for inviting Russia
0: to help him in the election, which they did. He's still lying. Never give up the con. That's Adam Schiff's motif. And the motto of all these idiots for trying to course Ukraine into helping him in the
6: next election, mm. which he did, uh, into inciting an erection, uh, insurrection, which he did. Um, none of that is undercut. None of that serious misconduct is.
0: Yikes, he said inciting an erection. Oh, boy. This guy, Freudian slip. And then he said insurrection. And that's a lie also, and he knows that's a lie too. Anyway, diminished by the fact that people lied to Christopher Steele.
2: No, I think just your credibility is. Well,
0: That's it. Your credibility is shot. Now, Glenn Greenwald is a very liberal reporter. But the one thing he and I have in common, I guess, is he's trying to call balls and strikes here. And so he comments on what you just heard. He says, look at what an amoral sociopath Adam Schiff is. He spent years promoting the Steele dossier. He read it into the congressional record. He lied about the smoking gun evidence he saw that Mueller never found. Watch how he worms his way around to avoid even an iota of mea culpa. Notable that Adam Schiff who appears on every CNN, MSNBC, and Sunday morning network news program as often as possible, just had his first truly adversarial questioning about his pathological Russiagate lies, not on any of those networks, but from Morgan Ortega's on The View. Glenn Greenwald says, I spoke this morning with Crystal Ball and... What's the other guy's name? Uh, Sagar jetty. Examining the latest indictments of Russiagate Fabulous and what this tells us about the entire fraud and the media's role in it. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder if Durham will wind up uh, indicting any media folks. Huh. I wonder because a lot of us was, um, a lot of us were hoping that, uh, Durham would be coming up with some stuff last year, but he wasn't on anybody's timetable. This guy is a legit prosecutor. He's been doing this for years. Squeaky clean reputation. A political, just going after the facts, seeing if crimes are committed. Um, speaking of which, Washington Times says Durham wins over Toughest critic with revelations of Democrats' scheme behind Trump-Russia probe. Jeff Mordock, Washington Times, says Special Counsel John Durham's latest indictments impugn the source of the now debunked Steele dossier's most salacious accusations, which quickly elevated Mr. Durham from zero to hero in the eyes of some of his harshest critics. His investigation is suspected wrongdoing by FBI officials in launching the Trump-Russia collusion investigation was viewed as a laughingstock by former President Trump and his supporters. They mocked the investigation for taking more than two years to produce only one guilty plea. But the investigation roared to life this fall as Mr. Durham secured indictments against two defendants with ties to the Democrat Party. One of those defendants, Igor Danchenko, is scheduled to be arraigned... Tomorrow, at a federal courthouse in Alexandria, Virginia, he's expected to plead not guilty to five counts of lying to the FBI about how he obtained information that ended up in British former spy Christopher Steele's dossier on Trump. Michael Sussman, a lawyer who worked for Democrats in Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign, was indicted in September. He pleaded not guilty to charges that he lied to the FBI in a 2016 meeting in which he shared purported links between the Trump Organization and a Russian bank, the flurry of activity was enough to change Trump's mind about the investigation. Mr. Trump once ridiculed Durham's lack of public activity by questioning whether the special counsel was even a living, breathing human being. But today, Trump complimented the special counsel On Fox News, Donald Trump said hats off because it's coming out and it's coming out a level. Durham has come out with things that are absolutely amazing. We all sort of knew that happened, and now we have the facts, and I think they're only going to get deeper and deeper, and it all leads back to the Democrats, Hillary, and the dirty lawyers. Trump also predicted the information about The information that Mr. Durham has uncovered will be just the early building blocks. Others still aren't so confident in Durham. Tom Fitton, president of the conservative activist group Judicial Watch and a frequent critic of John Durham, said there's more malfeasance for the special counsel to reveal. He told the Washington Times, If this is the beginning, it's excellent. If it's the end, it's awful. He said, in my view, there are other individuals who need to be held accountable in the FBI, the Justice Department, and the White House. They all knew the dossier was a lie, and they proceeded to use it anyway to attack and spy on Trump and other innocent Americans. Well, you know, Tom, God bless you. You're, you're a great guy, and you've done wonderful things. But I just don't know how anybody could possibly think this is the end. You know what I'm saying? I just... I just don't know how anybody could possibly think this is the end. Of course, it's only the beginning. So New York Post says a prominent press critic has warned mainstream media outlets they face a steep journalistic challenge to back up their initial reporting on the Steele dossier in the wake of the latest indictment secured by Special Counsel John Durham. Washington Post media critic Eric Wimple wrote yesterday that last week's indictment of Igor Danchenko, a key key source for former British spy Christopher Steele's report, is bad news for several media outlets, including Eric Wimple's own employer, the Washington Post. Here's what he wrote. The Danshenko indictment doubles as a critique of several media outlets that covered Steele's reports in 2016 and after its publication by BuzzFeed in January 2017. CNN, MSNBC, Mother Jones, the McClatchy newspaper chain, and various pundits showered credibility upon the dossier without collaboration, pardon me, without corroboration. Big difference without corroboration, and found other topics to cover when a forceful debunking arrived in December 2019 via a report from the Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz. In other words, squirrel! Horowitz came out December 2019, said the whole thing was malarkey, if I may use a Bidenism, and the media outlets that had been pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing the lies just ignored that and now they're going to try to ignore this they're going to try to ignore this Well, see we're different we try not to ignore what is actually going on because we feel like we owe you the truth There's a lot at stake here. I want you to hear Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican, Georgia Congresswoman. She was on with Tucker last night explaining what she had seen at the gulag where January 6th political protesters, political prisoners are being held in Washington, D.C.
8: Hunting season ever since January 20th, Tucker You see, I can't believe what's happening in our country. We saw a whole year of riots where Antifa and BLM rioters were burning down cities, businesses, attacking people on the streets, and even killing brave uh, retired police officers like David Dorn. But yet, people went to the Capitol uh, using their First Amendment, and then some of them did get involved in a riot. But what I saw Thursday night when I went to the D.C. jail after months of persistence trying to get in just to see what was happening in there because of the terrible rumors that were coming out of that jail, everything that I've heard I found out was true. You see these people are being held, they were held for four months, 23 and one, 23 hours a day in solitary confinement in their cell, one hour out. Then it followed by two months, 22 and two, 22 hours in their cell, two hours out, and now they're able to be out five hours at a time if they're on good behavior. But you see, if they're not vaccinated, they can't get a haircut, they can't shave. They're given Nair to chemically remove their hair instead of be able to get a haircut. If they're not vaccinated, they're not allowed to go to chapel. If they're not vaccinated, they're not allowed to have communion. You see, even in jail, in prison, unvaccinated people are treated like second-class citizens. But it's worse than just that. They haven't seen their family members since they've been arrested. They aren't able to talk to their attorneys when they want to. The food that they're given is not good food, and many of them are sick. There's several men in there that really need medical treatment, they're being denied. There's an elderly man in the jail whose hand is purple and his thumb is black, and they begged me to get him out of there. They're really suffering. They're being treated badly, and Tucker, here's the, here's the worst part. These are pre-trial defendants, and they're not allowed to bail out. And they're told they have to denounce President Trump and what they believe if they want to make bail. And so it's outrageous that Americans can be treated this way, and every single American should be upset over this because, you know, I ran for Congress because I don't trust our government, and now that I'm a member of Congress and after I've seen everything I've seen, I don't even trust our government. it's, It's worse than it was.
0: Worse than it was, isn't it? So God bless Marjorie Taylor Greene for speaking up for these men. Very, very few people in Congress are doing that. I want to know. I want to know. The people that we often think of heroes. Great conservative heroes in Congress. People like uh, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and Rand Paul. Some even say Tom Cotton. Are any of them speaking up about these political prisoners? About the cancer patient, the elderly man she mentioned, whose hand was broken months ago and they refused to get him surgery? His hand is purple. His thumb is black. Anybody talking about that? Uh, for that matter, Donald Trump, has he lifted a finger to help these people? I've said it before, I'll say it again. He could establish a legal defense fund for these people, perhaps get a number of them bail, bonded out. People charged with nonviolent misdemeanors and nothing, nothing. Donald Trump doesn't lift a finger. Doesn't lift a finger. James O'Keefe. On Saturday morning, James O'Keefe was woken to the FBI banging on his door to conduct a pre-dawn raid at his home as a continuation of an investigation surrounding Ashley Biden's diary. You know, the, uh, the diary in which she said that um, when she was young, her father took inappropriate showers with her, that, that, that diary. FBI agents threw O'Keefe against a wall, handcuffed, and forced forced him to allow the confiscation of many confidential reporter notes and source identities. In a Fox News interview, O'Keefe described the events of this raid. He said there were 10 FBI agents with a battering ram. They turned me around, handcuffed me, and threw me against the hallway. I was partially clothed in front of my neighbor's. They confiscated my phone, they raided my apartment. On my phone were many of my reporters' notes, a lot of my sources unrelated to this story, and a lot of confidential donor information to our news organization. So uh the raid on O'Keefe's house followed a series of FBI raids on former and current Project Veritas journalists just days prior to that. The FBI has reportedly been Conducting these searches to recover a diary is rumored to belong to Ashley Biden, which O'Keefe insists his organization turned over to law enforcement after being unable to verify the journal's validity. O'Keefe has expressed his concern for the extreme and unprecedented violation of his First Amendment rights. O'Keefe implored in his Fox News interview, journalists everywhere have to rise up because we broke no laws here. If they can do it to me, they can do it to anybody. So I, I keep on hearing the overwhelming majority of FBI agents are good, upright, decent, honest Americans. Just trying to protect and defend. It's just the uh, a few bad apples at the top. But then we keep on hearing this kind of stuff happening. I think that Republicans running for office, whether Senate, U.S. House, President, whatever, should campaign, one of, the, one of the planks of their campaign should be to dismantle the FBI and to prosecute agents who have violated the civil rights of American citizens. There was no need Ten FBI agents to show up before dawn with a battering ram to break down James O'Keefe's door of his apartment and to throw him around and to confiscate stuff from him. Happens a lot, you know? Happens a lot. January sixth, I believe, was a set up by the feds. And now they're in cover up mode. Oh yes. They are in cover-up mode. And it's outrageous. And we just can't continue to put up with it. Uh, Dr. Robert W. Malone, the inventor of the mRNA vaccines, the inventor of RNA as a drug. He's out there this morning on Twitter saying, deconstructing the CNN Sanjay Gupta big bird pediatric vaccine advertising. What is going on is that Pfizer is using CNN as a surrogate to advertise directly to children, thereby driving consumer demand to cause the U.S. government the CDC, to purchase additional Pfizer-unlicensed emergency use authorization SARS-CoV-2 vaccines. This constitutes illegal marketing of an unlicensed pharmaceutical product and appears to involve collusion between CNN, the Sesame Street organization, and Pfizer. This may meet the criteria for corrupt racketeering. Oh, yeah, it may. Be nice if somebody do something about it. Know what I'm saying? It'd be nice if somebody would do something about it. Now, we have a guy named Steve Kirsch over at Substack who uh, has some amazing things to say. Amazing things to say. About the new analysis of the VAERS system, the Vaccine Adverse Effects Reporting System. Right? Now, Steve Kirsch is a philanthropist with a degree from MIT. He's a real guy. I'll put this on my Facebook page in a little bit. New VERS analysis reveals hundreds of serious adverse events that the CDC and FDA never told us about. They missed hundreds of serious adverse events that are more elevated than myocarditis. A new VAERS analysis done by Albert Benavides blows the doors off the safe and effective narrative. He says the CDC and FDA... I said the vaccines are safe and effective. They haven't found any serious issues with the COVID vaccines. Zero, zip, nada. It was the De- Defense Department that found myocarditis. The evidence in plain sight shows that they are either lying or incompetent, the CDC and the FDA, or both. But, of course, the medical community is never going to call them out on this. So that's where our team of vaccine safety experts comes in to reveal the truth about what is really going on in a brand-new VARES data analysis performed by our friend Albert Benavides, we found hundreds of serious adverse events that were completely missed by the CDC that should have been mentioned in the informed consent document that are given to patients, and we found over 200 symptoms that occur at a higher relative rate than myocarditis relative to all previous vaccines over the last five years. Altogether, there were over 4,000 VARES. Adverse event codes that were elevated by these vaccines by a factor of 10 or more over baseline that the CDC should have warned people about. As of November 1st this year, there have been more adverse events reported for the COVID vaccines than for all 70 or more vaccines combined since they started tracking adverse events 30 years ago. That's a stunning statistic. Nobody can deny it, but nobody in the mainstream medical community or mainstream media seems to care much. It's not even worth noting and passing. Wow. Here's what the evidence shows. Number 1. The COVID vaccines are the most dangerous vaccines in human history. They are 800 times more deadly than the smallpox vaccine which was the previous record holder. The vaccines have killed over 150,000 Americans and permanently disabled even more. Now, he links to, the, he links to the, uh, the evidence on all this. He says they don't make sense for anyone of any age. The younger you are, the worse it gets. For kids, it's estimated that we kill 117 kids for every COVID death we prevent. Number two, the Pfizer six-month trial showed the drug can save one life for every 22,000 people vaccinated. It also appeared from the trial that the drug killed more people than it saved. There were 20 deaths in the treatment group versus 14 in placebo after unblinding. So we are, quote, saving, unquote, Fewer than 10,000 lives at the expense of over 150,000 deaths. In short, we kill 15 people to save one. That's incredibly stupid. But nobody in the Biden administration wants to meet with our team. They basically don't want to hear the truth. Instead, they focus on deplatforming and censoring us, which are techniques that are effective when the data doesn't work for you. Number three, both the FDA and CDC have proven inept in spotting safety signals. They can't even compute the VAERS URF, which is a number that is required for any serious risk-benefit analysis. So the FDA and CDC outside committee members are all flying blind in approving the vaccines. Even after this deficiency is pointed out in the public comments by yours truly and direct emails to the committee members, it makes no difference. We're ignored. The CDC safety monitoring is so bad that they even admitted at the latest ACIP meeting that it was the Defense Department that spotted the myocarditis signal. So the FDA and CDC have basically been batting zero in terms of spotting safety signals that have been sitting in plain sight the entire time. Number four, they can't admit that they missed the signals now because that would be an admission they missed them before. So they'll try to discredit this article with ad hominem attacks. This is a technique used to win an argument when you cannot win on the evidence. Number five, the serious events we highlight below are all consistent with the mechanism of action that Dr. Robert Malone and I first described in the Dark Horse podcast, namely that the spike protein that is produced in response to the delivery of the mRNA is cytotoxic and results in blood clots, inflammation, and scarring throughout your body, which then creates a wider range of severe adverse events than any vaccine in human history. Number six, the medical community is trained by the CDC to believe the vaccines are safe so they interpret all the adverse events as not vaccine-related. But if it wasn't the vaccine that caused all these events, what was it? What's worse is they tell their patients, this is all in your head, or... Your baby died because you had a genetic defect. Number seven, in general, patients, remember they encourage pregnant women to get the vaccine, right? Not babies that are already born, but pregnant women with the babies inside them. Okay, number seven, in general, patients believe their doctors and never figure out Where to get a cytokine panel to discover that they are vaccine injured. By the way, go to covidlonghaulers.com to get the cytokine panel and InCellDx to get the spike protein assay. So people never learn how to rid their body of the spike protein. Either see my article on the vaccine treatment for the drugs they use to do this, which is, pardon me, so people never learn how to rid their body of the spike protein either. And then he says, see my article on vaccine treatment for the drugs they use to do this, which is the first step in the road to recovery. Number eight, the high adverse event rates are not excess reporting. It is due to excess events. For example, one neurologist had zero cases of vaccine adverse events in her entire career, but this year she has had 2,000. Another physician I know has had zero events in 29 years in his 700 patients. This year, he needs to report 25 events. Physicians themselves have experienced stunningly higher incidence rates of reproductive, neurological, and cardiac events since the vaccines rolled out earlier this year. We couldn't find a single cardiologist who actually had fewer cases of myocarditis after the vaccines rolled out, as the members of the FDA and CDC claim. Number nine, the serious events are primarily centered around menstruation, blood clots, inflammation, and scarring, cardiovascular damage, and neurological damage, just as we predicted in the podcast in June of this year. Number 10, there are hundreds of serious adverse events, that are caused by these vaccines. This is, of course, shocking to people since the CDC has repeatedly said you can't ascribe causality to data in the vaccine adverse events reporting system. Not true. The VAERS data analysis, temporal data, the dose dependency, and the elevated reporting rates compared to baseline provide ample signal to enable us to show causality on all of these events using the five Bradford Hill criteria applicable to vaccines. Number 11, Nicki Minaj was right to complain about elevated rates of testic- uh, testicular st- swelling, impotence, and orchitis. Every world authority, who, she, she said that happened to her cousin, remember? Every world authority who opined on the matter belittled her said she was wrong. But all the symptoms she talked about are strongly elevated, as you'll see from the data below. None of these so-called experts, of course, ever look at the data. It's all based on arguing from their belief system rather than the scientific evidence. And even if those authorities disagreed with the VAERS data, it was irresponsible not to have pointed out the raw data to people and then explain why they totally ignored the elevated signal in the VAERS data. Today, we do science based on our belief system rather than the old-fashioned way of looking at what the data actually says. Our team is old-fashioned. Number 12. There's a pretty good chance the vaccines don't really work at all and never did. We know the Pfizer phase three trials were gamed in many ways. There's no doubt the vaccines elevate antibodies, but it seems it's quite possible the immunity they confer is actually the result of killing off or excluding, as in the case of the trials, people with weaker immune systems. The people who are left are thus more resistant to the virus. Matthew Crawford will be coming out shortly with an analysis that makes a compelling case for this novel hypothesis. Number 13, it's unlikely that anyone in the world will want to debate us publicly on any of the claims above or on any of my articles or any of Matthew's articles, but if you are a prominent supporter of the false narrative and want a public debate, we're here for you. Our team will be thrilled to accept the challenge as we have no desire to spread misinformation. If we got it wrong, we're happy to correct our mistakes if you can explain to us clearly the mistake we made and the correction you suggest. Yet even with multi-million dollar incentives listed in this article, nobody seems to be interested in showing how we got it wrong. Everyone talks about how bad the vaccine misinformation problem is, but nobody's willing to do anything to show that we got it wrong. For example, I've asked any prominent scientists in America who disagrees with my analysis showing eight different ways to validate that over 150,000 Americans have been killed by the vaccines to let me see their correct analysis showing the correct number, but nobody will. They won't even come on a recorded call to show us how we got it wrong. It's baffling. They all want to do it in slow motion via documents because that way it's easier to obfuscate the truth and they can avoid answering questions. The latter is key. Number 14, it's really easy to tell who's telling you the truth. John Su, SU, is a CDC expert on VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. If he's wrong, the entire narrative falls apart. He says, I personally attacked Dr. Su in a widely read article accusing him of being corrupt. I offered to publish his response in the article. He said nothing. I offered to debate him, no dice. Trial site news tried to interview him. He refused to reply. Seriously? If the CDC gave us two hours to ask John Sue questions, we would destroy his credibility and the credibility of the CDC. That's why he's not talking, and that's why the CDC will never let him talk to anyone on our team, because we don't ask softball questions like what John gets at the ACIP meetings. We play the hardball. What we found is, and the VARS analysis below can be verified by anyone because it's all publicly accessible. Albert spent only a few hours to produce the tables, so the CDC should have been able to do the same work Albert did. You can easily verify any entry yourself via manual queries to any VARS interface. Before we get to it, well, you see, this is remarkable, and I, I can't read the whole thing to you, but wow, wow, wow. I will be sharing... This article from Steve Kirsch's Substack over my Facebook page, and uh, maybe uh, maybe I'll get suspended again, right? I mean, I hope that um, I hope that you'll be able to see it because um, this is life and death stuff, you know. It's life and death stuff. And I owe it to you to tell you the truth. I mean, okay, I, I got to get back to the, uh, the bookmarks. Yeah, the stuff I saved on Twitter. Um, oh, no, no, no. I, I know, I know. No, it's over here. It's over here on my phone. There's one more thing I got to share with you. And uh, again, over in American greatness, Biden administration collecting information on millions of American gun owners, Eric Lindrum. you seen this? You heard about this? Anybody in the media, anywhere talking about this. In just one year, the Biden administration has collected records of over 54 million legal gun owners in the United States for the purpose of increased surveillance of such citizens by the federal government, according to the Washington Free Beacon. As shown in internal documents from the ATF, they processed approximately 54.7 million records in fiscal year 2021. These documents were obtained by the Gun Rights Advocacy Group, Gun Owners of America. The records in question are out-of-business documents, which consist of all firearms-related transactions made by a particular gun store after the store has gone out of business, at which point those records become property of the ATF. In the year 2021, the ATF used this method to collect almost 54 million paper records and roughly 887,000 electronic records. Gun stores are currently allowed to destroy records that are 20 years old or older the Biden administration is actively pursuing avenues to ensure that such records are made permanent and cannot be destroyed. Aidan Johnston, Director of Federal Affairs for Gun Owners of America, said the Biden administration's misuse of out-of-business records doesn't end there. Johnson explained, instead of maintaining the right of licensed firearm dealers to destroy firearm transaction, transaction records after 20 years, buried within Biden's proposed regulations as a provision that would mean every single firearm transaction record going forward would eventually be sent to a- the ATF's registry in West Virginia. The greatest fear among gun advocates, including Gun Owners of America, is that the Biden administration may take steps to create a national registry of all firearms owners. An ATF spokesman rejected that idea, claiming the ATF's National Tracing Center processes millions out of out-of-business of out of records each month those out-of-business records do not constitute an initiation or continuation of any federal gun registry. But Johnston, over at Gun Owners of America, said the Biden White House has forced the ATF to undertake the rulemaking process in record time, changing the very procedures by which certain rules are implemented. At the executive level in order to achieve these goals according to johnston this has led to faulty argumentation demonstrating that neither atf nor biden's anti-gun appointees know anything about the firearms and accessories they seek to regulate the atf spokesman again denied this insisting congress and the government accountability office have an opportunity to review any final rule prior to its effective date the process is anything but speedy well we'll see won't we we'll see won't we again Again, when you are willing to accept the premise that Biden is not in charge and that whoever is pulling his strings is actively trying to take this country down, then it all makes sense, doesn't it? So a wise man once told me, work like everything depends on you, pray like everything depends on God. And that's the truth. And I've read the book. And I know who wins in the end. You know what I'm saying? There's the verse, look up for your redemption, draweth nigh. Work like everything depends on you. Pray like everything depends on God. That should be our motto every day. I must work the works of him who sent me, for night is coming when no man can work. I read that also. I'm just so blessed to have this opportunity to speak to you each day. Either live through the Podbean app or in the podcast later on when you either click listen on docwashburnshow.com or download the podcast where our podcasts are available. I'm so blessed that God put together a team of men who have made it possible for us to do this. So God bless you. This has been episode number 21 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show on Tuesday, November 9th, 2021. We look forward to speaking with you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, be careful and be safe. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.